Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to New Life. Um, I would like to invite you um, to, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to our morning service. Um, we're located at 1021 Center Street, Wapiton, North Dakota. And our phone number is 701-642-3487. We welcome you to our morning service. I welcome you. Um, Pastor Kupel is away this Sunday. Um, they're celebrating their anniversary, so I am substituting. My name is Joanne Cianci. Um, I was a member here. Um, I no longer live here, but I was a member in this church for 18 years. Um, and I had the privilege of helping and serving Pastor Kufel. Um, I welcome you with my whole heart. I welcome you. Um, we really did have the Holy Spirit here in our worship service, and I pray and hope that the Holy Spirit is will minister to you and what I have to say today, what's on my heart. Um, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just come to you in the precious holy name of Jesus, Lord God. Lord, we would be nowhere and we would be nothing without your precious son that died on the cross for us. And as we celebrate Easter, as we do every year, Lord, help it to be precious again to us and um, help us to hold it near to our hearts and help us not to just go through a ritual, but to know and understand how much Jesus sacrificed for us to die on the cross, Lord. At the foot of the cross, we're all the same. No matter what we look like, Lord God, no matter how much we have or we don't have or, or who we are in this life, Lord, we were important to you. We were important to you that you sent your son to die for us on the cross. In Jesus' name, and we give you praise, Lord God, for who you are. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Somehow, um, this week, as I was, actually it takes me about two weeks to prepare for a sermon. Um, that's just the way I am. Um, but this week, the Holy Spirit laid out my life to, um, before we get started and before time gets away, to give part of my testimony, just a small part. Um, when I was a child, um, uh, I did have a mental illness. I had depression really bad. I had I would call it a deep, dark depression, and I was only eight or nine years old. And in those days, they didn't do a lot with children um, that had that, and God healed me of that. God healed me of that. And I know this phrase gets thrown a lot around, it has been uh, in this last year, but I want to seriously tell you this morning, if you're a parent or if you're, grand or if you're grandparents, your children matter. Your, your children's lives matter immensely to God. And you need to um, make them a priority in your lives. Make them one of the turning points, the very important parts of your life, and take them to church, and take them to church. And it shouldn't be once in a while, or Christmas, or Easter, or um, the 4th of July. It needs to be every Sunday. Every Sunday. Part of my testimony is, is that I had a mother. In those days, mothers didn't drive. And um, she was the Christian in my family, and she took us to church. There was three of us, three little ones, and she thought church was important enough 
that she would take three little ones on three buses to get to church on Sunday morning. And that's a lot for one woman to do, um, you know, with three little ones to get them dressed for church and, and haul them on three buses to get to church. But that was my mother. And because of that, and because of Jesus, I am the person I am today. I am who I am because of my mother and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is part of my testimony. And I, my hat is off. If I had a hat on today, I would take it off to any mother that brings their children to church. It tries to be a testimony to them. Okay, so um, the, the title of my um, message today is The Next Right Thing. The Next Right Thing, and that's what mothers do. They do the next right thing for their children. Do we not? Okay, um, my message is in Haggai, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 13. And there is, uh, in those 11 verses, there is a lot to cover, a lot to cover. Okay, um, the key verse is uh, uh, verse number four, which says, it, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? That is the key verse for today. Haggai was one of those very few, few prophets that Israel revered and listened to. His message and his ministry is only recorded in four months in uh, chapter 1 and 2. There's only two chapters to this book. And he was, as I said, he is, and it had four sermons. That's all it had. And his purpose, his main purpose was to admonish, encourage, challenge, dare, if you will, for the people to start to obey God by rebuilding the temple to rebuild their house of worship. He also announced the renewed promises for the future to encourage them to know that God was still with them and that the covenant that God promised them was still valid, that he was still going to come through. And as we, um, today I'm going to go verse to verse with this. Um, in verse 2, and I should, I should really read this verse, we start with verse 2, and it goes through to um, 13. Thus, um, you know what, this is not working. Okay. Thus says, thus says, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the, ho the time that the Lord's house should be built. And then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, it is, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put in a bag with holes, like pockets with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring the wood, and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came too little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, 
The heavens above you withhold dew, and the earth withholds the fruit. For I have called for a drought in the land, and the mountains, and on the grain, and the new wine, and the oil, and whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, on all of the labor of your hands. And then Zerubbabel, the son of Shethel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozat, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord, their God, had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke, to the, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. And that is my text for today. And now maybe, um, I've got new glasses, so maybe this will work now. Okay, in verse 2, in verse 2, we see God's displeasure is shown by calling Israel this people. When they were always called, when he was uh, pleased with them, as in Exodus 5.1, he said, let my people. But he was no longer taking ownership of this people, Israel, that he loved. He was calling him this people, this people. He did not want to be called their father right now. He was dis distancing himself from them. And then in uh, verse 4, we're going to skip down to verse 4. Um, they're talking, talking about a strange term here. Verse 4, it says, Is it time for your, you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? And the temple to lie in ruins? What do they mean by that? Paneled houses. Either the houses had paneled roofs or richly decorated walls. The people lived in completed houses or in luxury for, for their situation while the, ha the house of the Lord lay in ruins. So if the house of the Lord is laying in ruins, they had no place to worship. They had no place to come. And, and meet up with God and prepare their hearts. They had no place to worship. And then in verse 5, you will see this twice also here in these 11 verses. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. When we see therefore in the scriptures, it means um, the writer is, is sort of switching gears on us, Okay? And we need to pay attention because he's going to go in a different direction. And he's saying, now, therefore, consider your ways. Consider your ways. And we're going to come up with that again. But this is important because it's mentioned twice. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. And then when we look through verses 6 through 11, apparently the they were unconcerned about their relationship to God the people had neglected the temple. They were experiencing the curses of disobedience. This was a really, um, I'm not knocking these people, okay? This was a really hard time for them. They had just come out of 70 years of captivity, okay? They had all kinds of things coming down on them to make it hard for them. But you have to remember, they still had their God. They had the true living God, the one and only God, okay? There are many gods out there because they, were, uh, they had pagan nations surrounding them 
with um, influences to bring them down. But they knew, they knew the one and true and living God. And he had, he had people, he had men of God, prophets, speaking to them. Okay? All right. So in verse 5, um, again, it says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And we look at Lamentation 340. This is what um, the people should have had uh, going on in their hearts. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. And this is a call for all of us. This is a call for all of us to, to guard our hearts, to make God a priority in our hearts. We live in a world... Um, I don't think, I think it could be truthfully said that in our world, in the United States, we've never seen it more crazier. Okay? They even want to take Dr. Seuss books off the library shelf. Um, I'm sorry, but I think that's really crazy. These are children's books. And the children need their books. Okay? But, um, and they need, they need the little silly things that are there for us. And we do too. There is a quote that I want to share with you today. And it says, when I don't have the author, I heard it on the radio. When we pray, we talk to God. But when we read the Bible, God talks to us. And we, when we pray, we talk to God. And when we read the Bible, God talks to us. Looking at uh, verse 6, okay, this, this uh, is a picture of where they're at physically, okay? And it, and it doesn't look very good. It doesn't look very good. You have so much, and you bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to be put in a bag with holes. How discouraging is that? How discouraged to work and not have enough money to see your money um, fly away? And to me, it looks like in all the areas of their life, in all the um, all the ways that they're, um, you know, they have to thrive. No one is thriving because nothing is enough. Nothing is enough. Um, not enough food in the field. Not enough clothes to wear to be warm. I don't know about you, but when I'm cold, I can't do anything. <laughs> I have to be warm. I have to be warm. Um, not enough money to live. Not enough food. Not enough to drink. In no area of their life were they satisfied. No area, okay? And then their children didn't have enough. If that isn't, an, if that isn't heart wrenching, okay? Um, we and in this verse six that I just read, I I would refer you to De Deuteronomy twenty-eight, thirty-eight, and thirty-nine. Um, this is a chapter uh, about the blessings and cursings. And it says in uh, verse 6, I mean, four verse, in reference to verse, 
verse 6, and Deuteronomy 28, 38 and 39, says, You shall carry much seed out to the field, and gather but little in, for the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and tend them, but you shall neither drink of the vines nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. And then we're back to verse 7. For thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. So again, he's saying here, consider your ways. And when we know, we know in Scripture, when they say something twice, we need to pay attention to it. Because they're, they're really trying to bring, through, bring home a point. And what, what God was saying here is you need to stop. You need to stop and think why you are struggling, why there isn't enough for you or your family. We see that God is reasoning with them. Consider your ways. Stop and think about what is happening here. Not to be consumed by um, the problem of it, but to, to think about why. And, and to consider means to think carefully about something before making a decision. Consider means to think about being drawn toward a course of action. We also see here that they, um, two times in the scripture, they're talking about them being in lack and seriously in want of something. And you know, um, apparently... And some of these excuses, the, the uh, Jewish people did have some excuses. Some of them were fairly, fairly uh, very valid, okay? Um, and some weren't. The time wasn't right. So, you know, when God is speaking to us, and I know all of us struggle with it. Sometimes I, I struggle with it too. When God is speaking to us, we need to do it. We need to do it then, Okay? Um, so one of their excuses was the time wasn't right. And then um, another excuse was there was too much opposition, too much serious opposition. Uh, when they started working on the walls, they had deadly opposition against them. When they had, it was so bad that when they had to work, when they did start working on the walls, they had to carry weapons with them. These people that were incensed against them they were serious. They were serious about bringing them down to stop the working on the temple and on the walls, anything they had to do with uh, bringing um, the city back up, okay? They, they had some serious opposition. Uh, we're not seeing enough results. Um, I think we could all say that sometimes. We're not seeing God change things for us. We're not seeing... Um, Things get better. We still need to trust God. We still need to do the next right thing and listen to God and do it. <coughs> and this isn't the way it used to be. The former, there might have been some people that, uh, some very old people that had uh, made it through the 70 years of captivity. And when they came back and they saw that uh, what was built with the temple. It did not look like the first temple. The temple of Solomon's temple it was a beautiful temple, beautiful temple. And they might have been comparing. 
And sometimes we fall in the, that trap, uh, ladies, gentlemen, we fall in that trap in our own lives. Do you know what is our life and our family and our situation, our material stuff look like compared to somebody else? And I encourage you, I've, I've fallen in that trap in the past and, and when I was younger, and I encourage you not to do that because, um, first of all, you'll never be happy. There will always be, um, I've told my son this, <coughs> there is always, always, always going to be somebody that has more than you do. Always. We need to, God wants us to be content where we are. He wants us to be content where we are and where we are with him. And if you're not, you know what? Maybe you need to praise God a little more. I'm just being serious. Because God is a good God, and he has a plan for your life. He does have a plan for your life, and you just, you just don't know it yet. We don't know the end. Um, actually, we don't know what t tomorrow brings, do we? We don't. We need to trust God. And so we're seeing um, in verse 8 um, that we are to um, do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. And what God wants them to do is a little strange, but he, told, he tells them, you go up, he wants you to go up to the mountains and bring down wood and build the temple. Then I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Sometimes we have to do some nitty-gritty things. Sometimes God um, wants you to do some things you don't want to do. You don't want to do, but you don't see how it's going to turn out. Um, the first town, uh, one of the first things in my life when my husband became a pastor, he, we pastored a little tourist town in Wisconsin. And I specifically, I will remember this the rest of my life, but um, God was dealing with me to go into a, um, it's called a CAP office, Community Action Program. Um, dealing with me and dealing with me to go in there and um, to find another avenue to um, get a different job, okay? Um, the job that I had had in Chicago, where we're from, um, it, it sufficed, it was good for me. Um, it had really good benefits. And I didn't have a job in this little tourist town. And he was dealing with me to do this, and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go there. <laughs> um, I had some reasons. I, I Basically, I'm a shy person, and this was something new, and I didn't want to do it. But God dealt with me, and I obeyed. And I went in, and, and I found um, I needed to work full time, and I found a job there that would carry me through for the next 20, 20 years. I became a CNA, working in a nursing home. I love working with elderly people. And this job carried me everywhere we went, everywhere, literally, um, everywhere we, I landed, I, my husband and I, pastoring, I had a job. I had a job. And one of those places, the next place that we moved to, I had a job before I even walked in the door. Um, she told me that if I came in the next 30 minutes, I had a job. Praise God. Sight unseen, without credentials. Okay, um, without any history or a resume or anything. She said if I came in the next 30 minutes, I would have a job. And I needed to do that 
to take care of my family, uh, to help support my family when my husband was pastoring. Um, and this is what God will do. So for the next 20-something, 20, 20 20, 22 years, because I obeyed, I had a job. And wherever I went, I didn't have to worry about finding a job. I had a job. And this is because um, I didn't see that coming. I didn't understand that when God laid it on my heart and dealt with me. But he knew what would happen. He knew what would happen. And I didn't. And I needed to trust God and obey. I needed to trust God and obey. And I encourage you this morning, if you're looking, if you're in a hard time right now, to do the next right thing, the next thing that you know that is right before God, and to trust him and obey. So to do the next right thing, this is what the people should have done all along. When complex about our situations, we need to follow God's leading and his word and do the next right thing, no matter what it is, we need to follow through. We see that these people, for them, the next right thing is to go into the mountains and go get some wood and start building and start building. Okay, so we're looking at verses 9 through... 9 through 11 right now. And then again, God goes into, you look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I, I blew it away. He took the blame. He said, I destroyed it. I blew it away. And then he asked, why? Why, says the Lord of hosts, because my house lies in rooms while every one of you runs to his own house. And here we have that word again, therefore. Okay, it's going to change now. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold dew, and the earth withholds its fruits. For I have called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain, everywhere. Everything is touched. Nothing is undone with God. That all of it, and all of your labor, all the labor of your hands is... is is not perfect, is being destroyed. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. So then he's, he's, here we go again. He's explaining to us. He's telling us. Because of this, everything is hard. Because of this, everything in touch is cursed, is cursed. The people's labor and all their work and harvesting. Food was cursed. Chapter 11 says, God called for the curse on, on the land, a curse of drought. Why did he do this? Why did he do such a thing? To cause them to be in want and suffering and their children be suffering. Mainly to get their attention so that they would stop and think and seek God and seek God in order that he could use Haggai also in order that he can use Haggai to speak to them. And you know what? I wonder if God doesn't do that to us sometimes. Try to stop us in the tracks and tell us we need, we, need to, we need to start thinking about what's going on, where we're going, what direction we're going, what are we doing? What are we doing? 
And don't we see in verse 12, the people obeyed God, they listened to Haggai, and began to do what Haggai had instructed uh, them. And I'm not saying that all of a sudden it was an um, easy time. It was still hard for them. And then in 13, we have the promise. We have a promise from God that we can stand on. And God says, actually he says two things there for them that, to hit them. He says his name, I am. I am, the great I am. The God of all the earth, I am. I am with you. I am with you. And he has the promise. And there's more to say that. There's more there and there's four words. He's also saying that I have not forgotten you. In those 70 years, I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten my, my promises to you, my covenant to you. I have not forgotten it. I have not forgotten it. Even though they thought, they thought um, God had forgotten them, they thought God had forsaken them, um, they thought uh, perhaps, you know, God, God is never going to um, listen to us again. But I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to leave you with this, Romans 8.31. And what then shall we say to these things? What then should we say to the things that, the, the opposition that we face, the obstacles, the situations, the people that um, perhaps that give us grief? What then should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? And with that, um, I'm... Uh, People on Facebook and YouTube, I'm, I'm leaving you. I'm encouraging you to, to call pastor. I'm encouraging you to do the next right thing. I'm encouraging you to call Pastor Kufel at 701-642-3487. I'm encouraging you that if you live in the area and, and if anything I've said has spoken to your heart or encouraged you, that perhaps on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock you you would um, come to the campus at New Life at 1021 Center Street, Wapaton, um, and visit us on Sunday morning. And now I would like to pray. Heavenly Father, um, I don't know the people that are out there. I've never seen them. I thank you for each one, Lord God, on Facebook, YouTube, uh, however or wherever they're turning in from the computer, Lord, that you would touch them, you keep your hand upon them, you would minister to them, Lord God, you would show yourself real to them. They would uh, reach out to you, Lord God, and seek you with all their heart, because when they do, you will be found of them. Lord, we love them. We pray for them, Lord, that you be with them this week, that you encourage their hearts, that you'd make the Lord Jesus Christ real to them and your presence real to them. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to minister to them in mighty ways. In Jesus' name, amen.